Welcome, 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 welcome. Two, 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 two. One of us is a filmmaker, Booker! Hey! I mean, that was a very impressive echo. <laughs> that is a reference to the movie we're talking about today. <laughs> welcome to One of Us is a Filmmaker. We are a nostalgic movie podcast. We're run by a brother and sister, i.e. me. I thought you were going to be I like, we're you. run by a holding company out, <laughs> out in the Cayman Islands. We're run by someone. No. <laughs> no. No. And uh, I'm Cassia, and I'm a filmmaker by trade. And I'm Orion, and I'm a everything else by trade. <laughs> Something else by Something trade. Something else by trade. Not a filmmaker, but we, well, you know, we try. Uh, well, you don't try. No, well, actually, I don't try. No, actually, I have tried in various things, but to no avail. No, you've not got the filmmaking talent quite like me. Yeah, unfortunately. I just sit around and criticise movies all the time. Great. I know. It's the worst thing to show Orion. Like, if I've made a movie and I show it to him and you just want someone to say, oh, that was good, well done, yeah. you made a movie. It's yeah. criticism after criticism. You know what? Like, it's oh, actually, lighting, it's actually no. I do feel bad because I know you get annoyed when I say stuff like that. And then I, I think about it and I'm like, oh, I should have said at least something nice first. <laughs> but no, it's because you know, though, that like, I never think anything you do is bad. It's just my initial reaction to things is just like... Criticise it. Criticise it, yeah. yeah and, I and like, no, I know, but like, as in, it doesn't mean that I don't like it. Or it doesn't mean I that I don't appreciate seeing it. I just am like, oh, I would see how that could be different. Or I'm like, oh, you could do this. Or what did you think about what, you know, probably is annoying. Oh, yeah, it is quite annoying. Well, but it's kind of funny as well. <laughs> it's kind of. Kinda. You know, I've been working on this film for five years. So, Jimmy, it's like, oh, wow, it's terrible. I've never said anything was terrible. I know, it's so just funny. No. <laughs> oh, gosh, that was a movie I made, my first ever movie. It was a short film that was 50 minutes long. I didn't know what I was doing at that stage. Had great fun making it with a group of uni friends. Mm-hmm. None of us knew what we were doing. It's really nice, you know, a bunch of us are still friends, someone else. Um, our wonderful uh, co-assistant director mm-hmm. on the movie is working in film as well. Amazing. She's, she's a boss. Hey, Bridget Productions, if you're looking for some content creation, you need female crew, hit them up. I'm seeing their stuff on Instagram all the time. It's looking good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. So today we are going to be talking about a movie that came out in 1999. 1999. I was one years old. Yeah. <laughs> well, I probably wouldn't have seen it at the cinema then. No, and I, to be fair, we didn't go see this one at the cinema. Mm-hmm. I just remember like constantly owning it on video. And uh, the movie is called Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. It's yeah. uh, somewhat of a cult phenomenon movie. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a grower. It's like <laughs> a cult film about a cult. Yeah. This is really funny. I don't know if people would have heard of Galaxy Quest. I don't know how popular it is, really. I think it echoes in the hallways, if you know what I mean. Uh, no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think, like... What do you mean? I think, like, randomly people will have heard of it and been like, what is that? Mm. You know? That kind of thing. Sure. But I don't think many people will have watched it. Unless you're a big Star Trek fans. A lot of Star Trek fans love the movie. Apparently, it's really? voted the seventh best Star Trek movie of all time. Well, to be fair, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> <As> I <could. laughs> it is... By Star lot, Trek fans themselves. I think it is a lot better than most Star Trek things that have mm-hmm. come out, to be quite honest. But it, all, it occupies a very, very different yeah. space. Yeah, I mean, it's a parody movie. Yeah. It's a comedy sci-fi, and it's a parody. So it, it kind of goes into the category of things like Airplane, like This is Spinal Tap, Best in Show, the scary movies. But what sets Galaxy Quest apart 
from a lot of those movies is it's actually a very heartfelt, genuine movie. It's not just satirical and making fun of it. It's actually got a message at the end I of think, it. I think it's it's also, we spoke about this a couple times, but I'm thinking most specifically in reference to the Spider-Man trilogy and Sam Raimi's approach. Mm. You told me it was very character-driven. This feels very character-driven. Yeah. It feels like the characters in it are so central and they're like exploring their personalities and their relationships is like a big part of the film, which is yeah. why I think it works so well. Yeah, and I think... It's a really accessible film, even if you're not a massive Star Trek fan. I mean, like, we didn't grow up watching Star Trek, and it was still one of my favourite films. Maybe that's tainted by the whole nostalgia thing, grew up watching it, you know, don't remember not having ever seen it. But it's really a genuinely very funny film. Yeah, I think so. Really funny. We'll break down exactly what we love about the movie, what the movie's about. I'll get to that in a second. So do you, you, Uh, as a side thing, you don't think that Star Trek is nostalgic for you? No, and we never really watched it. Yeah. See, I find it quite nostalgic. Did you like, watch the series? I watched quite a lot of Star Trek, actually. When? I've watched a lot of Next Gen. I've watched a lot of the original series as well. When did you do this? I must have been, like, early teens. Oh, I think. so when I wasn't around. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah, actually. But no, I think it's because, like, you, you kind of always hear about Star Trek, and then I think I checked it out from a relatively young age, mm. and then was like, actually, I like it. Yeah. And, like, it, like, I think it's actually, like, good decent good show yeah nice. especially next gen next gen i thought was actually whereas the original series is a bit like oh it's kind of good because of the time and what mm-hmm. it was i felt like next gen was like actually an enjoyable watch you know what's cool about star trek is that apparently a lot of the science actually makes sense yeah oh it's definitely based on so i when i was side note as well we're talking about galaxy quest this is all part of this realm yeah when i was younger um i used to be really into physics Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this phase where I was. I, like, oh, I do, yeah. Yeah, I was really into like um, high level maths and physics concepts and stuff like that. And just I just get you like a book on space. Yeah, space yeah. And I'll do the job. Yeah, exactly. So I had loads of stuff like that. I had a specific book, which is actually one of my favorite books I've ever read. It's a non fiction. Of course. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, the Physics of Star Trek. Yes, and, I remember that book. Yeah, and it was really, really cool. And they mm-hmm. talked about how so many things in Star Trek were genuinely ahead of their time in a realistic way. Yeah. Which is really cool. I mean, think about it. They had the communicators or whatever, and mm-hmm. that was the telephone. <laughs> That's literally what a mobile phone is. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like, because I was like, the telephone, I'm sure, was invented in like the 1800s. No, 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 no. But like, they, <laughs> they had, had like, the telephone. No, but they were communicating like, yeah, you it. know, without a, a landline. <laughs> <laughs> no landlines in space. <laughs> no, not in the 1960s. Yes, they had telephones. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the thing about Galaxy Quest mm. is, yeah, it takes all these things to, again, the, the extreme and the spoofness of it. And mm-hmm. it's just funny. They, the way they use all these things. So. Yeah. Um, apparently, Alan Rickman, who is a character in the film, mm-hmm. uh, he said it was one of the funniest scripts he'd ever read. He read it. Uh, you know what? I have to say, it's a pretty funny movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know what Galaxy Quest is about, it's basically about this group of actors who were in a TV show called Galaxy Quest, mm-hmm. you know, 18 years ago. Think Star Trek, Star Trek Next Yeah, Generation. basically Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, and other similar sci-fi shows like that. Mm-hmm. And essentially, real-life aliens have been watching this TV show they're in and calling it historical documents. They basically <laughs> believe, they believe that they're really um, real events that have happened and these are real yeah. um, commanders of the ship, etc. Yeah. Um, the aliens come to Earth thinking, 
we need help against our existential threat. And they recruit the Galaxy Quest team. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the TV <laughs> And the Galaxy Quest team are a bit like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, <laughs> uh, It's just, uh, you know, as a barrel of laughs as you can imagine. Yeah. Original it, idea, in my opinion. Yeah, It's quite it a cool... Like, because when, you, when you're watching something like Star Trek, you don't flip the switch and think like, what if real aliens saw this mm. you know it was quite, it's quite an original idea I think it is the original writer of the script was someone called David Howard so it was his spec script done anything before do you know not really sure but basically the um, producer brought on board a different writer called Bob Gordon who was a big Star Trek fan mm-hmm. uh, to essentially rewrite the script okay. uh, so base it on the original premise that David Howard had uh, come up with because apparently the producer didn't like the actual script but he liked the idea <laughs> so he got this other writer I mean that happens all the time um, he got this other writer in to basically rewrite it uh, make it much more funny mm-hmm. and you know improve the plot the characters or however the producer Be- saw, saw fit to and yeah apparently his first draft of the script DreamWorks read it and greenlit it straight away jeez when does that happen ever well it would be interesting and i bet it's a bit of a gold mine if anyone can get their hands on the original script oh yeah you know if someone can find that out from what was the name david howard no yeah yeah david howard yeah so if anyone knows about that <laughs> let us know because that's kind of cool the original spec script was called captain starshine so a little bit different sound you can already from the name it's a little bit of a different direction I think. yeah <laughs> um, exactly no i think galaxy quest as a name is like nice it's, yeah Catchy. Yeah. So the mm. producer is someone called Mark Johnson. And then it was a DreamWorks movie. Mm. So tying to our last episode, all that oh, DreamWorks. Yeah. DreamWorks coming back. Mm. Getting their little grubby mitts on a little extra thing. Yeah, exactly. So. It, they put a lot of money into this movie. I mean, you can Did tell they? by the massive cast. Like, they're all big names. But oh, yeah, yeah. we'll get to the cast in a second. Yeah. Uh, but what were you going to say? Sorry. No, I was going to say, uh, like, this wasn't like an independent thing. This was like, yeah, this had big backing. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good old, uh, what's his name, Captain Berg behind it, mm-hmm. helping the film come along. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, a lot of people sort of argue the fact that DreamWorks sort of screwed up their theatrical run because essentially the film was more R-rated when it was complete. And DreamWorks were like, mm, let's make it more PG, let's make it more PG. So it was a PG film. And yeah, and Jeffrey Katzenberg, a few weeks later after the film was released, it wasn't doing as well as they'd hoped. He apparently rang the uh, director and was like, oh yeah, sorry, sort of screwed up the promotion of your movie. <laughs> You just you see that all the time with like studio movies where the trailer is so different to the film. Mm. Whatever. Oh yeah, there was a very stark example of that recently. I can't remember what it was. I think it was one of the Fantastic Beasts, to be honest. Mm. But um, yeah, it's such a shame. And maybe they just didn't put enough money or time into so the marketing campaign. If we're watching it on DVD, are we seeing the cut version? No, we're seeing the cinematic the, version. The cinematic. Okay. Yeah, because otherwise it would be not a PG still. Mm-hmm. Right. What is it rated actually? PG. Oh, it's still PG. No, it's still PG. Okay. It's never been the R-rated version. Okay, okay. okay. Never exists apart from in the cutting room at one point. Well, they still retained a lot of the good comedy. Yeah, no, (laughs) it is a good film. I'm just saying they obviously didn't market it well. Mm. It's not like the film isn't good, Mm. but they didn't put the right time and energy and money into marketing it. Right. And they think maybe if we had just left the film as it was and pushed some of maybe the adult humour, maybe it would have been better. Well, that's something interesting. I mean, we don't generally... Talk about marketing of movies. Well, it's very important. Yeah, I mean, it's very important. I mean, take a look at something like Barbie. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean... Barbie and Well, that, that, this is the power of marketing, really, because I think a lot of people watched Barbie and it was mostly what they expected. Mm. But I think those who expected it to be very progressive, mm. as it felt, people felt it was marketed in that way, 
Yeah. Wasn't actually quite like that. Sure. Um, so yeah, we can show you the power of marketing and how mm. it can influence people to go and see it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the budget was about $45 million mm. and it made about $90 million. So it's like, it, <laughs> no, it, was, it was like mild box office success, you know, it was fine, double, but I think the potential could have been a lot bigger. And I think they wanted it to be, um, much bigger, but you know, over time it's grown such a fan base, the movie. Yeah. I mean, them, they must've been making money from it since. Oh, yeah, Quite they have. There's yeah. a series in the works at Paramount Plus, apparently. I, in a weird way, <laughs> and I don't usually say this. You want to see more of those historical documents? I want to see more of the historical... No, <laughs> I, I, I think I'd watch it. Yeah. I think I'd give it a go. We don't have Paramount Plus, but otherwise we'd watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, otherwise I'd watch it. But do you know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah. for example, the Harry Potter remake. I don't know why I went to Australia. <laughs> Harry, <Potter. laughs> Harry Potter remake. Uh, <laughs> the Harry Potter Yes. Remake um, coming out. I don't think that I am very interested in that at all. But no. I am interested to see what they would do with something like Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Well, it's more of an original idea as well. I think that's why. I think it's like, yeah. it was such a comedy spoof that like, I'm willing to give it the light of day for it to be ridiculous and silly again. Yeah, it does work really well though as a movie because mm. what, are they just going to have random aliens keep coming to them and be like, oh, we think that you're real space people no actually i have a feeling what they'll do is they'll genuinely try and make a star trek like galaxy quest it will be that they create like episodes of what the team is doing yeah but then that's like not core to what galaxy quest is which no is i know spoof. no i know and so I, I don't think that tv show would surely the tv show is not going to not be a spoof no but or a satirical thing. i don't understand then how they could last as a show? Well, you never know. They People pull ideas from anywhere. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> good, uh, yeah, you're not wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do with it. I would be really surprised if they don't keep it as a spoof satire. I, I hope that they retain the majority of the comedy. I don't want them to just go into making a Star Trek. Well, it should have the original people in it, of course. Oh, apart, okay. apart from, you know, Alan Rickman, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, but Very sad. Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, that lot, mm. I think they're up for it. So, in theory, I mean, who knows? Maybe Paramount Plus will announce something completely different, mm. just called Galaxy Quest, who knows? <laughs> Wait, did we mention who's the director? Yeah, the director is. Well, this was when I was starting to go down my list of, oh, of people in the crew and everything. You yeah, know, carry you on. Know, you're, you're jumping here, jumping uh, there, jumping all over the place. There's so many avenues to <laughs> So many. Yeah. Um, it was directed by a person called Dean Parasot. Or Parasot, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was not the original director. Oh, Midway? No, it wasn't Midway. It was still early. But oh, okay. the, there was a director called Harold Ramis who was attached. Mm -hmm. And essentially, as soon as Tim Allen was cast, Harold Ramis left the project because he was like, I don't like Tim Allen. I don't think he's going to be a good lead in this movie. I think, he's, I think he's great lead. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. Apparently, after the film came out, Harold Ramis apologized to Tim Allen and was like, actually, you're really good in the role. Is Tim Allen historically a difficult No, no, I don't think... It, no, it's not to do... I don't think it was anything to do with him as a person. I think it was just he didn't think Tim Allen suited the role. Uh, you know, when a maybe, director... A director if somebody... If a studio is forcing me to cast an actor that I didn't really like as an actor or think suited the part, mm -hmm. that would be really hard to work with. Um, yeah, but so I mean, it's money, isn't it? Just oh, yeah. I mean, he just gave up a full job. Like, well, I'm sure he was doing fine. If he was their first pick for the job, he's, yeah, he's, successful he's a director. successful director. <laughs> he's obviously got other work. He's obviously in demand, so I don't think he was crying about it. Well, no, but I mean, it's yeah, I suppose I would understand that. But, like, obviously there's, there's thinking, you know, 
someone might not work in a project and like, yes, it'd be really difficult to work with that thinking it's not necessarily your vision. But then it's also different if like that person's also a nice person and like even though it's not your choice, you can at least still work with them. Whereas I so I'm surprised that he just completely left the project. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. If they were taking the film in a different direction. You think that that's hard for you that would be hard for you. Yeah of course it's creative differences, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, that's what I'm asking. Is like you, yeah. you personally would think that would be difficult, really difficult for you to. Yeah, imagine like you're picturing someone completely different, and uh, the studio is like trying to force you to work with someone that you're like, I don't really picture them in the role. So mm-hmm. how am I supposed to make a film I'm not passionate about anymore? Yeah, that's hard. Um, yeah. Oh, fair enough. I'm um, sticking up for the directors over here. Yeah. No, I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying. But it works out. And also, you want the director to come on board and be really passionate <clears throat> about who's involved and, and up for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. So he was replaced. Okay. And uh, for for the good reason, you know, and for the better. Mm-hmm. He, he well, was, yeah, it came out with a good film. So exactly. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, it's playing devil's advocate over here. Eh? Well, it, no, but I am. I'm genuinely curious about the thought process. That's yeah. that's what I'm thinking about. Is that it's interesting to hear you know, why people would leave a project. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that happens all the time in films. People come off projects, come back on, la, la, la. I yeah. mean, we talk about the whole Hobbit, Peter oh, Jackson. Let's, and la, that's a whole debate. I know, so. I know. What happens when uh, Guillermo del Toro, you know, came on to the project and then walked away with like six months till the shoot and the studios begged Peter Jackson to come back. Uh, otherwise, you know, they have lost X amount of money. So anyway, never mind. That's all a whole other thing. But uh, as we said, Tim Allen plays the lead character, which is Commander Quincy Taggart. Quincy, 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 Quincy. Quincy, Quincy. Taggart, Jason Nesbeth. And uh, essentially, Tim Allen is the lead character. He's this commander guy in the in the TV show Galaxy Quest. But then as an actor, he's a bit cocky. He's kind of doing his back background deals um, away from doing appearances with the whole crew mm-hmm. trying to make extra money mm-hmm. but Tim Allen interestingly mm-hmm. uh, he was offered the part as I said signed on to the role the director's changed over whatever but before he signed on to the role he was actually considering doing another project that was it's not similar but it's also a sci-fi right. and it came out around the same sort of time and Robin Williams ended up playing the lead in that movie do you well, know which one that is? Uh, 1999 well, I don't know exactly the year it came out, but it was around the time. The only thing I can think of sci-fi. Flubber? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, science fiction? To be fair, I don't think you've seen it. I don't think... I I'm, I'm, I can't picture Ron Williams in sci-fi. He's I, in Bicentennial Man. That's a hard word to say. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. No, but apparently that was a big flop. Big swing and a miss. So Tim Allen's happy that he didn't go down that route, evidently. Well, I mean, maybe it would have been different if he had been... The- the part and it wasn't Robin maybe but I mean you can't if have you, you seen got, it? no but if you've got you know a lousy script and a lousy okay, director okay. I mean you know even a good actor can't save it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Robin Williams can't save that no, even Robin Williams can't save it like, sad times I mean I haven't seen the movie Bicentennial Man so maybe it's great and just flopped at the box office for no reason mm-hmm. who knows so anyway Tim Allen is our lead Mr. Man so um, self-centred kind of guy and, uh, yeah. yeah and then we have Sigourney Weaver, absolute sci-fi queen. Yeah, she I mean, she's plays cool. Gwen DeMarco in the movie, mm-hmm. who in Galaxy Quest portrays a character called Lieutenant Tawny Madison. And basically her job literally is just to repeat back what the computer says. Which essentially was the female in Star Trek's mm. role. Yeah, and it's like, so. it's a satire and how stupid yeah, <laughs> that just, job is. Yeah, it's just them. And, uh, you know, she kind of had, had the blonde wig and she had these sort of fake push-up boobs and it's kind of like 
that image of you know the sexualization of uh, the only female character in what's the, the lines uh, TV show in one of the early scenes she's kind of like does no one even remember what it does and one of the other characters from the show goes yeah I remember it was um hold on I'll come back to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, uh, Tony Shaloub that, that leads us nicely on to Tech Sergeant Chen is his oh. name in the TV show yeah. uh, the Tech real life Sergeant. yeah the real life character in the movie is called Fred Kwan <laughs> and yeah played by Tony Shaloub who appears in one of our other favourites Spy Kids oh Love he's that. everywhere <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I must say and you mentioned this earlier this film is definitely star studded for the time like yeah. it has everyone of that time and they're, they're all so perfect for the role <laughs> yeah. like so good yeah. it's the cast is like one of the best ensembles of a movie mm-hmm. then I mentioned him already Alan Rickman R.I.P uh, played a character called Sir Alexander Dane I'm sorry that's the character in the movie but the one in the TV show is called Dr. Lazarus you're doing very well with these names it was because I got the list here yeah I know <laughs> but I'm just saying it's, it, to have three different names <laughs> <laughs> it's hard man yeah. um, and he's this kind of like British thespian actor who's yeah. sort of embarrassed about the fact that all he's doing is like I played Richard the Third. Yeah, he's just doing like all these silly... Five curtain calls. <laughs> he's just doing all these silly appearances, yeah. opening tech stores and whatnot. And he's always had this sort of uh, battle with Jason. Uh, doesn't think Jason takes it seriously. Yeah. And that's... It's like when um, one of the insults uh, Alexander throws at Jason is like, you and this is your problem. You're never serious about the craft. <laughs> He's so perfect in the yeah. role. It's so great. Uh, then we have Sam Rockwell, also in this movie. Oh, mate. Love Sam Rockwell. He's a real little bit Charlie's name. Exactly. Oh. Um, he plays a character called Guy Fliegman, and uh, he just kind of goes by the guy in the movie because he appeared in an episode <laughs> of Galaxy Quest, like eight number eight. Such a B like, character. Yeah, I mean, he literally. <laughs> just gets killed in like the first five minutes of the episode yeah. so he's introducing the gang at uh, one of these comic cons mm-hmm. and inadvertently sort of gets swept up with going to the real life aliens mm-hmm. and his whole problem in the movie is like he's terrified he's going to get killed off really quickly yeah. <laughs> but he has the freak out when they're flying to the planet to try and yeah. get that sphere to start the um, ship up again mm-hmm. and he's like uh, I'm the one who's going to get killed first I don't even have a last name <laughs> and then Gwen goes you have a last name and he's like do I do I and he just have Tony Shalhoub in the front eating like his like, yeah. chips or whatever they are <laughs> he's, he's for some reason Tony Shalhoub's character is so like Chill. Chill. The whole time, <laughs> this whole thing's going on. I guess when I when I watched it, I always think of him as like thinking, oh, he's going to be the bad guy somehow. Mm. But then he's not. No. You know, but it's just, I think his presence is just very like, because he's so reserved and so calm the whole time, you kind of think there's something mysterious about him, but actually he's just calm. Yeah. Well, he um, has a relationship with Lilari, which is one of the aliens, mm. slash Jane Doe, as she's like titled later in the Galaxy Quest TV show <laughs> when right. she appears at the end. Um, and that's played by Missy Pyle. Dodgeball classic, hello. I, I mean, this film is very emblematic of our time period of watching movies. <laughs> yeah, so. it is. <laughs> uh, and um, so Missy Pyle's character and Tony Shalhoub's character have this romance. You know, he falls for her. Disturbingly. <laughs> yeah. There's a bit where they make out and she like turns back into an alien. Yeah, Sam Rockwell's character. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's not right. <laughs> it's funny. Um, <laughs> and there wasn't a relationship between them in the script. So, you know, there's a very famous director who is apparently responsible for suggesting that on set. It's a little thing to throw in. Do you want to guess what famous director rocked up to the set? Said, hey, why don't you try this? Spielberg. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a feeling it was Spielberg. Because yeah, this is the set. And he was like, oh, we should get those characters to get together or have a little like B storyline with the two of them. Yeah. And so they did. Threw it in. Do you think that's hard from a... So as, as a side note, when you're making a film mm. and someone suggests kind of a, a plot overhaul, it's not complete overhaul, but like, you know, plot suggestion. Is that hard to work into an established kind of you're already getting things going? Probably not if it's an additional thing. If it's suddenly going to change the outcome of the plot or whatever. Right. Yes. So if, so if someone was like, oh, these two could have a, a, a little fling. A little if fling. it's just you're adding a few shots of like little side glances, like one or two scenes here and there. Oh, yeah, that's not the right. Too much. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. But yeah, something more plot driven would be would probably be very hard. tricky to right. if it affects your your A plot rather than like little B side ones. Mm. But also Missy Pyle could have been played by a very famous actor who's having a moment right now. Having a moment right now. She's having a moment. Or was having a moment last year. Or the year before. What is this, ninety nine? Uh oh I don't know. Um I wanna say I wanna like, do an impression like of her, like, but I don't think it's gonna be a good one. I can't even think of a line. Uh, I know that she does. I'm thinking of night like late nineties like Reese Witherspoon? No, like she's a funnier cat, like a character actor. Oh, okay. I don't think I'm going to get this. I know I'm struggling. I'm trying to think of a of a line uh, from. Give me a second. Let me just quickly Google. So I want to do an impression for you and see if we get it. Um, is it Jennifer Coolidge? Oh yeah, it is. I was going to try and do an impression. Well, when you said you were going to try and do an impression, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be like someone like that from a Cinderella story, and she's like, "You're not very pretty." And you're not very bright. <laughs> I'm so glad we had that talk. <laughs> I mean, that Sam. wasn't very good. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> we haven't spoken about Cinderella's story yet. Hilary uh, Duff, that's, that's going to be an episode Hilary one Duff, day. Hilary Duff is coming, lads. Yeah. <laughs> don't you worry. Uh, why lads? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Questers? Questers. <laughs> okay, so Jennifer Coolidge. Could have been Lilari. I think this was a better casting. Mm -hmm. From my imagination, I think this probably would have worked better. Yeah. Well, I'll keep going with the rest of the crew because mm -hmm. we've got a few more people. Yeah. We have Daryl Chill Mitchell, who mm -hmm. played Tommy Weber, who was the kid who drove the ship. Uh, and his uh, character name is Lieutenant Laredo. And obviously in the events of the film of Galaxy Quest, he is now older because yes, it's set, exactly. set after the show so, so when we see adult. clips of the historical documents he's yeah some sort of 10 year old boy mm -hmm. who is played by you're never gonna believe who who's plays him i feel like last time i watched it i was like oh i know who that is yeah I, but i can't go remember. for it go for it go no, for no no it. i can't remember it now come on man no no uh, it's not someone silly like if you think it's someone silly it probably will be <laughs> all right i'm gonna go for an absolute rogue shout let's hear it is it someone like corbin blue it's Corbin Blue, mate. Oh, of course it is, mate. Yes. Oh, what a guess. Absolute yeah. guess that was. That's funny. I didn't actually recognise him. Like, I couldn't tell it was Corbin Blue. It's just when I was looking up the cast and it said Young Laredo. I remember. I was like, oh, I was, like watching Blue. it. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's Corbin Blue. Who is it? Okay, okay. That's funny. And then we have some other people that pop up in the uh, film so mm -hmm. there's Justin Long plays a teenage boy who helps save the day and this was Justin Long's first ever film role was it? yeah because it, it seems like he was prolific I mean this kicked it all off well the thing is he is really good at it mm -hmm. he's genuinely like I think it's easy for people to just play stereotypical nerd yeah. but like it's hard to get that to be a very well grounded 
stereotypical note. Do you know yes, what I mean? And exactly. Justin Long just does that balance really well. He jazzes up that balance. Yeah. That's what I, <laughs> he does, I meant to say he does that balance. <laughs> yeah. Apologies. There's no jazz going on. <laughs> he does that balance <laughs> really well. Yeah, and there's another actor in the movie who plays one of the aliens, and this was his ever first film role. You told me about this. Yeah. Because we were chatting like last night about random people in the movie, and then you were like, oh, it's this person. I was like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot. Um, Rain Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and he apparently had a bit more in the film. So he had some more scenes in the film, but they got cut. Uh, so apparently you can see him more in deleted scenes. To be fair, I mean, that's sad for him. But at the same time, he still got his on-screen presence. It still probably led to him having the success and the, you know, background to going into the office and all that. At least got him some work. That's all we can hope for, isn't it? Got a paycheck. <laughs> well, he ended up being in one of the most successful TV shows of all time. Exactly. So there you go. He's all right. <laughs> he's he's yeah. doing all he's right. He's good. Yeah. Uh, there's also the baddie of the movie called Saris. Yes. Who's that played by? That's played by someone called Robin Sachs. I don't know Robin Sachs. Uh, well, at least the name is not um, giving me any vibes. Yeah, I think why well, he's covered up in a whole suit of prosthetics <laughs> and everything, so you wouldn't know who the actor is. Probably. Which. Might I just say? Stands up well. Stands up well. And I commend any film mm. that does not overly rely on CGI. So I was watching Galaxy Quest last night and I thought the re- it literally the visual effects hold up so well because the detailed things like a creature and everything that are up close like Saris uh, and other things like the like squiggly monstery things, they do them so well as practical prosthetics. Uh, and then anything that is CGI, they kind of cheat away from a little bit. So it's not like totally obvious or rubbish looking. Mm-hmm. And then like the shots in the sky and the ships and the effects, the blue thing that like squiggles them all over mm-hmm. and like yeah, shoots them yeah. from the ship. Yeah. It, it, all look so, it looks so good. Yeah, it good. It still looks really good. And I think that's when, you know, they're not overusing it. It's like done minimalistically. You also have to think that when you don't spend so much time going, let's CGI everything, mm. what it means is you have more time to focus on the specific things that you do. And make it look good. Exactly. Whereas, you know, things that have all CGI these days, I don't know, like a Marvel movie, or mm. for example, you'll find a lot of stuff will end up not holding up very well because actually, at first glance, it looks fine. And then you upon re-watching you realise actually they didn't spend that much time on this and it's not even just just Marvel movies it's every single movie oh yeah yeah, I'm just using an example I went to see Wonka and um, regardless of what you think of the movie there's a bit at the start where he sort of walks down imaginary steps like he's floating from a balloon down into like this square bit where he's going to sell his chocolate and it just looked really bad like it it just looked like really bad CGI and I was like why? I didn't end up seeing Wonka but um, it's alright it's all right. It's it, the best bit was there's like a little sort of cameo mini scene with Simon Farnaby in it, and that was obviously the best bit. I mean, that is a good case study for uh, marketing again, or a bad one. Well, but that's what I mean. A good, it's a good case study, like yeah. to for I mean, because they kind of misled people. But they didn't say it was yeah, exactly. Musical. Yeah, I went in. I so someone I'd seen on TikTok, social media, something that it was a musical. So I was like, oh, okay. So you knew good, ahead good of time. Good to know it was a musical. You knew ahead yeah. of time. I think if I'd walked in and just suddenly it's a musical, I'd be like, oh, I wouldn't have been that surprised if there was like a song or two in there, like World of Imagination or whatever, because that's obviously like, what, back to the, like the final thing in Paddington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you know, one or two, like Paddington's got songs in it. Yeah, and Paddington's got the bit where they're like, rub and scrub. Oh yeah, yeah, whatever. So there's like songs in it, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be surprised if that was it. But it was literally every you know five ten minutes, there's like a 
sing songy musical number. A dramatic performance of yeah, a, yeah, a proper, proper a plot moving performance. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anyway, not talking about Wonka. No. Just, you know. There's no musical performances in Galaxy Quest, thankfully. No, there's not actually. Um any cast, any other cast that I've missed out on. Let me just have quick quick. Done a pretty good job. I think there's Oh yeah, there's a lot of cast in it. Well there's 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 a couple of the main aliens. Oh yes, we should probably just mention those. There's there's like three and one of them's Missy. Uh yeah, so there's also Jed Rees, which plays Teb, which is kinda like the lead alien person. Mm -hmm. And then we have Enrico Colantoni, who played Mathazar, which is then the other sort of main alien guy. Mm -hmm. The main crux of the emotion of the movie with the aliens is that they can't understand the concept of being lied to or deceived. Mm -hmm. And they only think of it as a really bad thing that Ceres does to them. And, you know, yeah. he's evil and he's trying to kill all of them and everything. Mm -hmm. So when he discovers that the actors have been acting and lying about the fact that they were sort of yeah. space people. <laughs> it's like, it's soul destroying for it's them. It's soul destroying. And they, they make all such funny noises, the aliens. They're like, ah. Oh, <laughs> they're trying to represent the It's such a good direction. As in like, mm. it's such an interesting way to take it because like, it's a great way to be like, how would someone trying to be human be like? Yeah. You know, they like try, but it's so weird. Yeah. And so against our like normative behavior. Yeah. That it's just all a bit like, this is weird. What's going on with these guys? Because it's, it's when Tim Allen's in the limo and he first meets them really properly or yeah, like exactly. he's meets the girl next to him, Missy Pyle's character, and she's not saying anything. He's trying to talk to her. He's like, how are you doing? Yeah. And then uh, he looks to the guys and is like, what's wrong with her? Yeah. And then I think it's Teb that's like, oh, her voice box is broken. And Lalari just goes, <laughs> <laughs> and Tim Allen goes, okie doke. <laughs> and he has his, um, Coca-Cola. Well, because again, for him, he's used to dealing with kind of weird fans. Yeah. So he just thinks the whole thing is a bit of a like, all right, so where's the, when's the paycheck coming? Like, well, yeah. that was, you know. But I remember watching this film from so young and mm -hmm. not really understanding the fact that uh, the whole meta thing of the TV show and the actors and their historical documents and the whole thing where they're at the Comic-Con at the start and at the end. Mm -hmm. I, as a kid, thought that was like real life documentary like they're actually at these places yeah, and yeah. the middle bit was the movie that's kind of how I thought when I was when you're young four. you don't have the context behind what the film is making fun of yeah yeah so you just assume this is a fun action <laughs> like thing. Oh, like the yeah and like just because I saw people dressing up and stuff in like the comic con bits and mm. like fans and asking them for autographs I thought oh so that's like no I didn't I wasn't hyper aware of the fact I was thinking of it as a documentary yeah. but I just thought it was like real life yeah and then it was the movie in the middle. Yeah. But there's so many funny scenes and sequences. I love the bit where they have to go get the Virilium Sphere from the planet. Yeah. And they have like the rock. rock and they're rolling rock. it. Rolling yeah, it they're rolling it, it trying to escape the aliens. Yeah. Right. And they have the rock bit. Those and aliens are scary, by the way. When they go. <laughs> yeah. So they go to this planet and like they're, they're trying to get this sphere for the ship, which yeah. like powers the ship. And then these like cute in, in quotes aliens come out and then there's like one or two or something and one of them's injured. And then they look over and it's like, that one's injured and then all the other aliens pounce and just eat him alive yeah. and they're all Tasty. a bit like oh no and then they all have like really sharp teeth so they're like let's get out of here yeah yeah. Um, uh, and the classic guy just being like I'm going to be the one who dies oh yeah and he's like oh it's only in episode 81 <laughs> only in episode 81 yeah <laughs> whatever it is but it's funny it's, I mean with the film I think the film's strength as we've kind of touched on is the ability to be a spoof to be a parody whilst maintaining that emotional gravitas. When yeah. we talk about this a lot, it's like what can do that kind of delicate balance. And mm -hmm. I think this does 
ride that line really well. Like, you know, you said with the with the aliens, the good aliens, <laughs> you know, so to speak, it's the, the hit of them realizing like actually humans lie mm-hmm. and and they don't really understand that concept. There's another bit early on in the film, uh, Justin Long's character goes to get his autograph signed and then obviously Quincy Tagger is very like... Jason Nisbet. Yeah, he's very just like, yeah, whatever. Like, here's my autograph. Go, go away. Like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. And they're all a bit like, oh, well, we looked up to you. Yeah. And then you do that. And then he calls them later on in the film, like, yeah. hello. It's like, oh, I know. And he ends up saving them with yeah. his information. That he well, has. that's it. It's That's why it's it's a spoof and it's a satire. But actually, it really pays a lot of, like, homage to, like, those really in-depth fans of these things. And, like, they're actually the ones who save the day. Yeah. And really, it's films about identity. It's like Tim Allen's character grappling with this false arrogant version of himself that he's become and he's not actually happy mm-hmm. and he realizes everyone talks behind his back and people actually think he's a loser and his crew don't actually like him and he learns to be more humble and mm-hmm. it's the crew team effort um which is you know well what especially alan rickman's character is really annoyed that's like oh it's always about you isn't it mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. always the jason nesmith show it's, not anyone else it's kind of poignant and sad because there's like a really deep dissatisfaction in him mm-hmm. you know having said that i still think of the the shot where he wakes up and he's got the glass doors and the aliens come down and he bends over and they all go yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like look at his butt yeah so. he's like i better put some pants on yeah uh, <laughs> they just stare his bum. Yeah. yeah there's so many funny little bits and Laredo's a great character. Like, they're all individually really funny. Because mm-hmm. he's the one who... <coughs> one of my other favourite parts of the film, because he's the one that drives Laredo. Yeah. Tommy Webber yeah. um, plays the character Laredo. And it's when he's like, tries to start flying the ship for the first time. <laughs> and he's, like, going... He's leaning to the wall, and everyone's other head is, like, leaning, yeah. like, maybe we should go this way, this way. And then it's just, like, that deafening screech. Yeah. And all the, all the crew are, like, ooh. And the aliens are just standing there, like... <laughs> yeah. just waiting for it to but it's a really fast paced movie the plot is really tight it doesn't slow down it's doesn't going slow it's moving, down. Moving, moving all the set pieces are fun it does have a heartfelt genuine message and it's definitely my favourite sort of satire spoof movie because oh yeah you might argue it's not like I don't know if what you want from a spoof movie is super outlandish and satirical like Airplane or the scary movies it's not quite like that it's more sophisticated I would say uh, than those movies I think it's so in a mm. weird way it's trying to occupy a different space yeah something like Airplane is just like ridiculous completely ridiculous like and, and Hitler line every is, like yeah. every line is a joke yeah it's it's like one liners basically the whole film is one liners mm-hmm. whereas this is like character driven plot driven funny spoof you know mm-hmm. and, and yeah I mean there's a, the other bit I'm thinking of um, where it hits emotionally is um, mm. so the concept of Alan Rickman's character kind of is this like I can't believe I still have to do all this crap. And I have to say this, this stupid line all the time. Yeah, this stupid line. Which is, by Grapthar's hammer, by you Grapthar's shall hammer. be avenged. Yeah, and um, the, one of the aliens keeps saying that to him and saying how much of, he was inspired by his role in the historic documents. <laughs> and, um, and and obviously Alan Rickman the whole time is just like, oh, just get this guy away from me. <laughs> but then actually, you know, at the end, he gets shot by the bad aliens that have kind of boarded the ship. And I think that's kind of a turning point for Alan Rickman where he's like, you know what? This is real now. Mm. And this guy looked up to me. And then he says to him, by Grapthar's hammer. 
yeah. you shall be avenged. Oh. And then and then he runs after the alien and he's like, rah, yeah. rah. And the alien's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he's oh, like, why is it. one of these humans running at me? That's so good. And I remember as a kid again, because by that point, Alan Rickman's been through a lot. And it's like, hair's poking out of the, um, obviously, like... Uh, the prosthetics. Prosthetics that he wears as the character. Yeah. And like as a kid, I remember being confused. I was like, oh, why has he got... Like, why is it? Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> obviously, older, I understand that. Yeah. In the movie... He is uh, an actor playing a character in the TV show, so that's why, etc., etc. But the whole ending sequence is great, and I think the bit where they have to journey through the chompers and everything, you know, Gwen and Jason, and he's doing Justin Long characters, giving them the instructions. Mm. It's just so tight and so well done, and really yeah, fun. It's, it's blocked well. It's like stage well. It's, it's, it's all. You're right. It's very tight. It's very yeah. well done. Well, do you want to guess what a Tomato Meter gives the old Galaxy Quest? It's a cult film. Mm. So I think it's going to be not amazing, but I don't think it's going to be bad. I think I'm going to give it 73. Uh, more. 80. More. 85. More. 90. Yes. It's fresh. Apparently. The only reason I thought it'd be lower is because with these cult films, usually you get kind of the... There can be a bit of a disparity there. Yeah. Um, but, oh, wow, that's pretty pretty damn good. Yeah. And then the audience score is 79%. Okay, that's what I was thinking a bit more. Oh, well, you know. Yeah, I think because audience is watching you, you'll get the cult following that are like, love this, love this, love this. And then you'll get the people that are like, don't get it, don't get it, don't get it at all. Don't get it, don't get it, don't get it. Well, do you get it, Jigs? I like it quite a lot. <laughs> so does that mean you get it? I get it. He gets it. Well, it's like you're saying, you kind of read, and I, you know, this happens with everything in life, mm. but you do start to read it in different ways when you become an adult. Yeah. Because you kind of understand, as you said, you understand like, oh, this is the convention then this is you know they used to do the show and all that kind of you understand that that dynamic but then yeah. you also just kind of read the characters in slightly different ways yeah i think especially with the with the lead you kind yeah. of understand the the kind of deep dissatisfaction that actually this this confidence this arrogance that he's projecting is actually a bit like empty yeah it's, yeah. A bit, it's not it's not really a thing yeah yeah i agree and yeah. you know i was watching it, i was like there's not really anything wrong with this movie really perfect movie I don't know it's it's weird because um being attached to it I don't know as a fresh viewer if people would like it but um, I'd like to show it to people mm. that haven't seen it and see what their reactions are because I think it's not quite like dodgeball where mm. dodgeball has some comedy I think that doesn't really hold up whereas I think yeah. this is very context specific to the movie comedy mm. and that's kind of good yeah, you exactly. Know? Like, I think a lot of it holds up because it's satire of that very specific subject, like you yeah, just said. Yeah. And actually, from what it sounds like that was in the R version, which was more like some sexual stuff and like... That might have like, been a bit... Yeah, maybe that made it worse and actually maybe aged it quicker. Yeah, so yeah. maybe Jeffrey Katzenberg, you know. Yeah, he's thinking ahead. Yeah, he's um, thinking ahead. Yeah. I mean, know. also, we, did, we haven't spoken a huge amount about Sigourney Weaver, but actually... She's a titan of the sci-fi industry. Yeah. Sci-fi industry, the sci-fi film kind of genre. Yeah. And um, I, I'm just kind of amazed. She took the role. Well, they got her, yeah, they got her on board. Like that's... Uh, Apparently she really enjoyed it because she said that actually the character of Gwen is a lot closer to her than this sort of tough Ripley that she was playing before. Right, right. So actually she really she, enjoyed it. Yeah, she got it, yeah. Yeah, and I think she enjoyed, obviously, the satire and everything that came through yeah. the movie, which is quite clear, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so yeah, of course, could complain that there's only two women in the film and they don't talk to each other, and it's just they're just love interests, really. But exactly. yeah. you know, what are you gonna do? Well, <laughs> That's why it wasn't on the perfect movies. No, yeah, exactly. So, it's just one peg down, one peg down. Yeah. But you know, 
it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, and if you haven't watched it out there, folks, let us know if you like it. Does it hold up? Are you watching it for the first time? You're like, this is great. This is really hilarious. Or are you like, no, this is terrible. This is definitely a would recommend to a friend 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. Okay, well, 10 out of 10 is bold. 9 <laughs> out of 10. 9 out of 10. We like that. We take it down a peg for the uh, questionable... Uh, representation. Representation. Maybe what 90s movie doesn't have a <laughs> representation. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Great. Well... That wraps up another movie throwback. Another movie throwback in the bank. Yeah. Beautiful. And, um, you know, it's been quite a DreamWorks heavy season. Yeah, I didn't even realise it was DreamWorks. That's interesting. It's one of those things where you, it's it's really hard to avoid um, Disney, you mm. know, talking about some sort of Disney film, which we've done a lot of mm. so far. We haven't done so much of DreamWorks, and it's like, good, this season is... It's DreamWorks it, special. DreamWorks has come out big time. And next week is our penultimate episode of the season, <sighs> which is very exciting. It's a look back at the classics. So we're looking at a classic movie pairing, actually. I think everyone's going to know next week's episode. Yeah. I think it's going to be a hard one to um, not know. Yeah, it's, you know? it's pretty iconic for our generation, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So we're excited about it. And listen to all our episodes if you haven't. Catch up with us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Give us a rating. That would be really nice. That would be amazing. Give us, uh, I do need five stars. But if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you have to give us four because you'd knock us down a peg, I would just knock us down a peg. No. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as ever, see you guys next time. Never give up. Never surrender. You can just fade out you doing that song. Though.